yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and I was hoping for Kenobi. And my name is Matt. Jedi or not, I consider you my friend. Timely. Yeah, so, so we both did Clone Wars quotes. Yeah, so we're... Um, nice job. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be talking about uh, Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 6, called uh, Decommissioned. But first off, just a little small talk, Matt. Do anything Star Wars this week? Well, we don't have to talk about it, but I watched a vintage cartoon this week that was Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Bad Bat? Or not the Bad Bat. <laughs> uh, the Great Heap? Yeah, I watched the Great Heap. Um, yeah, so did I. Yeah, but well, we can maybe talk about that later. I want, I've been doing a lot of um, Spider-Man stuff with the boys, so we haven't done very much Star Wars. Although, the kids are now caught up on Bad Batch, and we watched tonight's episode together. Um, so one of my watches tonight was with the family, so that's a big, that's really fun to have them up to date. We'll talk about, my five-year-old had some commentary on today's episode that we will insert into the show at the appropriate time. Hmm. Um, so that was sort of exciting. But other than that, I work has really been kicking my butt this week, so I haven't had a lot of free time to do Star Wars stuff. That I continued on the Old Republic uh, omnibus, and I... Um... Or the Knights of the Old Republic omnibus, and um, I read oh one of the the newest uh, Vader comic, which is in the um, War of the Bounty Hunters kind of crossover uh, special. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Though I have I watched uh, the Siege of Mandalore arc on um, for the Clone Wars just just I don't know just because I wanted to, and I just realized God like how God how great the the whole action sequences like the second the second episode with uh, Ahsoka and Maul you know discussing what's going on and then their battle and then just you know Maul at the very end it's just it's just great just the this part the let me go let me die Sam just did. He just does such a good job with Maul, and just the sheer terror in Maul. He just knows. He knows what's. I mean, he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, but he knows something really, really bad's going to happen, and he does not want to be around for it. I think. I think that's probably. I like when the Force users figure it out, and which ones figure it out when. And I think this could be a pretty big discussion later in our podcast, possibly, but. There were a lot of people that figured out what was happening, and Maul's Maul might have known better than anybody at that point what was about to happen because of how hysterical and upset that he was that his plan to derail everything went so awry. Oh great, yeah, great moment. Yeah, he asked, he was telling Ahsoka that like he knows Anakin's Anakin's been groomed to be the the, uh, the new apprentice. You know, he comes to re- but he doesn't know everything. He he didn't think that much of Dooku, but after he finds out Dooku's dead, then he just realizes that oh, Dooku was just—it was he's just a pawn, just like he was. A stepping stone, yeah. Yeah. What he really wanted. Yeah, and that um, you know that that he's de- definitely afraid of uh, Sidious, and that's just—he just does such a great job with his character. 
Maul's evil, but you feel just feel so bad for him because he's just so. I I heard um, like an interview. Freddie Prince Jr. Um, said that he was like Sisyphus, that he's just kind of like destined to fail. And like everything he does is he's just a very tragic character. That's a great read on Maul. I hadn't really thought about it, but Maul is a character that exists in the ball kicking machine. Yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, like, he's definitely a character of his own wants and desires. It's like he's, like, climbing a ladder. He's destined just to get right near the top, only to fall right back down again. Yeah, did you ever read the Son of Dathomir comic? Yes. It was the last Dark Horse comic um, that they made, and it's canon. I love that book. It's so incredible about how the Mandalorians break him out of prison, how he raises an army and tries to kill um, Grievous and Dooku and gets very close, but ultimately fails because he lives in the ball-kicking machine. But that book is another great example of Maul's arc where he has these great, complicated plots. We know that he ends up like one of the biggest crime lords in the galaxy, but We'll talk about that, I think, probably in a later episode of Bad Batch, hopefully. Yeah. And I had, um, I just saw something. I didn't go into it because it's just some probably clickbait article, but there was talk about a Darth Maul series. I saw that on... I saw that headline, and when I saw it was on the website Behind the Magic, I knew it was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those guys are clowns they are clickbait only Mm -hmm. they're basically they are the site for bad information about star wars they're the ones that were pushing the brie larson is merit jade rumor a couple weeks ago which makes no sense and and they they're so bad it's so transparently bad but i don't read i don't give them clicks i need to filter them out of my news feeds but whatever yeah just random Star Wars shit always shows up, and I, you know, I was tempted to, but then I was like, we've always talked about how we could make a lot of money just if we didn't have scruples, you know, selling, you know, diet pills and and uh, boner pills and stuff, you know, stuff that's not regulated by the FDA, or as soon as the FDA catches on, you just uh, change it slightly, <laughs> or you know, get a different LLC. You know, yeah, bet, let's, let's let's pump the brakes on the on the evil plans. Let's not write it. Let's not write an outline for everybody. <laughs> okay, we're totally not going to do that, and we're not going to create a clickbait site that just straight out lies, but makes it seem like something's true. Like we have an inside scoop at Lucas Studios or Lucas Films, which we totally do not. I mean, we we do. We totally do. I will say this for that headline. I want more Star Wars live action. I think Mandalorian has proven that the format is successful. We'll see if um, Andor and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka do well. Um, but I would watch them all. Crime Boss show. Like I think that's what Book of Boba Fett is going to be, though. I think it's going to be basically Godfather. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally do that, except... Um... I don't know how they would do Maul because as of the solo movie, you know, it was, it was Ray Park dressed as him and as Maul and Sam Witwer doing... It's Sam Witwer, right? I keep 
I wanted to say Whitmer, but it's Whitwer. It's Whitwer. Whitwer, yeah. Sorry, Sam. I know you're a huge Star Wars fan. If we're lucky enough to have you as a follower, I just want to make sure I get your name right. I'm a big fan ever since BSG. And, um, you know, he does the voice and is just like, well, I, how would they do that? And I know Sam can do definitely do action. Um, and I, I don't know what there's there was some kind of like some controversy with Ray Park, so I don't I don't know how that would work. Yeah, I think Ray Park's out, right? Because he 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 did some gross shit online, right? He yeah, like it was like, posted some sex photos of his wife or, or his ex-wife or something. Stupid. Yeah, it's like revenge. He did the ex-wife. He did revenge porn. That's right. Yeah, but fortunately anyways. we we've avoided most of that in Star Wars. None of the none of the cast has come out as being really problematic, except for George Lucas, probably. Yeah, and Harrison Ford's just kind of cranky. Or at least he likes to play that He's up. Allowed to be. He's allowed to be cranky. I think yeah. he, I think that's an act, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so should we uh, uh, should we actually talk about the uh, Bad Batch episode that we are reviewing today? Sure. As we do with these things, I like to talk about um, the writer and the director. So today we're talking about, as Jamie said previously, episode six of season one, titled Decommissioned. Its original air date was today, June 4th, 2021, and it was directed by Nathan Vill- Villanueva. And we've talked about him in the past already because he's directed their Bad Batch episodes, but he also directed the Siege of Mandalore arc, which you just watched in Clone Wars. But his overall history that we haven't talked about before is that he was a storyboard artist for all of the previous Star Wars shows, um, Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance. He was in the art department. And so this is the last season of Clone Wars and Bad Batch represent a pretty significant promotion for him. And he also worked on the Ultimate Spider-Man in the art department, which is a great show that I watch with my kids um, or had watched with my kids. It's I don't think they're making new episodes anymore. Yeah, that's that's a that's some good credentials. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I really love the Siege of Mandalore. It's awesome. Yep, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the writer for today's episode is Amanda Rose Munez, um, and she, this is her first writing credit for Star Wars, but she was um, a script coordinator and a script supervisor on Clone Wars Rebels and Resistance and Bad Batch. I don't, I'm not in the animation or film industry, so I don't quite know what, what a script coordinator or script supervisor does, but, but I assume... Like everything, it's pre-production stuff, so I'm sure they're going through and making sure everything is feasible and doing layout and matching storyboards and script and coordinating actors and all that stuff. So I'm, I apologize for my ignorance, but this this is her first writing episode, and I think she did a very good job. Great job. Yeah, me too. Alright, so the show opens up at uh, Sid's bar on Ordnadel. Uh, just a quick reminder, Sid is the Trandoshan, kind of like older grandma-type character played by Rhea Perlman. Uh, and Omega is practicing with her new energy bow that she got off of um, some of the slavers from the previous episode. She's shooting a target at a wall. Echo is coaching her, and she's getting heckled by regulars at the bar. Um... Just for the record, their names are Bolo and Ketch. Bolo is the Ithorian. 
by the way, and catch, catches the Clatuinian or whatever. I always get those ones mixed up. The uh, Ithorians, the, like the hammerhead, the Clatuinians are the um, the lizard ones. The you know the Clatu Nicto. They're a bunch of the characters are named after the um, the day the Earth stood still. The words that um, yeah, the, the, name of the alien, alien said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, and then uh, but I think they're I think I said Clatu. Is he a Clatuinian or is he a Nikto? I, I want to say Nikto, but I don't. You I know. think I think it's Nikto. I think he's a Nikto. It doesn't matter. Bolo is the Bolo is the Ithorian with the voice modulator and catches the other one. Yeah, and he's got a really cool tie that just. Uh... He looks like Hondo species, right? Hondo's a Nikto. Anyway, go on. Sorry. So uh, they're betting on her, and Omega's getting better, but she doesn't think she needs to practice. If, if anybody has ever uh, ever shot a bow or tried to teach a kid how to shoot a bow, it's it's difficult. And if you know if they've got you know weak arms, it's you know they're not going to shoot consistently. You know, Echo talks to her about you know being consistent. You know, she's able to hit a few times, but not uh, regularly. She's uh, complaining about uh, the hecklers, you know, below and catch, and Echo saying, "Hey, you, you need to focus. Get away from, uh, you know, just clear your mind, you know." So when they're saying, "Omega, Omega," you know, you just need to, you just need to be like, Daryl, 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 Daryl. Children, that's not very nice. Mom. Professional athletes, they're used to this sort of thing. It rolls right off their back. Catch is a weak way. I'm an idiot. Is he? Oh, okay. I watched He's it. He's a weak way. Um, I watched it early this morning. I, so Sid breaks up the lesson and tells the clothes uh, about a, a tactical droid on Corellia. Sid tells the Bad Batch that the memory cores from these drawers are extremely valuable, and the Bad Batch is going to uh, break into a decommissioning facility to steal one. Uh, basically, a decommissioning facility is just a place where they're just being destroyed. Hunter says that the Bad Batch hasn't decided to become one of her employees, and Sed says that they're in. I love this moment. Sorry. I, I love this moment because she just handles Hunter completely. Hunter's like, we haven't decided we're going to work for you, and she's like... E- it's not up to you. You work for me. <laughs> yeah. It, it reminded me a lot of, uh, if anybody's seen, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus's character. You know, the best decision you ever did other than other than marrying your wife is calling, you know, like picking up the phone when I call. Yeah, exactly. And she's just that's, saying, that's like, a good... yeah, you don't have a choice, you know. <laughs> and she's not, it's not giving, not like, not giving any room for you to say no. It's like the, like if you're buying a car and the, the uh, salesperson is just like, okay, let's get you signed up for the like, whoa, whoa, no, like before you know it, you're already signing on the dotted line. It's just, it's such a perfect moment for her character too. Yeah. Because she threatens us at the end of the last episode and now she's just like, like you work for me, period. <laughs> it And she makes it, she makes a good pitch for it. She's like, you'll make money, I'll make money, but you work for me. She shows, uh, she gives Omega a quick lesson with her bow, just takes the bow, just just slams a bunch of shots, you know, right near the bullseye, and just says that Omega has weak noodle arms. Which, she does. She's a kid. She's li- been living on a on a planet, on a, like, a water 
or like an um, an artificial island on a cloning facility on a storm world. And she's never left the facility, so she's not very strong at all. The Bad Batch sneaks onto Corellia, attached to the bottom of a large cargo ship. You didn't really get to see a lot of the cargo ship, but I thought it was pretty cool because it was just like a humongous triangle shaped ship, or more or like a pyramid or something. It's just a v- um, I love I love the cargo ships when they show up because they're so utilitarian and practical. There was one in Rebels in an episode of Rebels where they they sneak on board and steal a bunch of stuff, and it's like a bigger version of this one. It's another triangle shaped ship, and Hondo's trying to steal treasure, and he's got that little Weakway pig with him. Not Weakway, the Ugnot pig with him, and it's just this huge triangular ship, and it's. This one looks smaller than that you know, one. You know, you know, Matt. You could just say Ugnot. <laughs> sure. This very, uh, <laughs> you know, racist of you. Yeah, I'm sorry to all of our Ugnot I, listeners. Yeah, I have spoken. So sorry, I I nice interrupted. Job. I interrupted you. No, just middle. I was just saying that it's a it's a visual callback to that but i think this i think this cargo ship is smaller and i looked it up and it's a, a, a type four cargo ship so i think they're different grades of them it's a very cool shot yeah yeah that makes sense so um back to the story tech lands the ship close the close to the decommissioning site once the bad batch arrive at the site they see the place is patrolled by police droids now did these Patrol droids look a lot like 99 from Jabba's Palace. So they're sort of... At least their heads. Sort of, yeah, the heads do, um, but their bodies are commando droids from the Clone Wars. And so they're... They, they, they have that weird... Um, I don't know if it's language, whatever, that the... Um, that that I, you know, thing on, in Jabba's Palace and in from the Mandalorian has... Yeah, that's that's a bad imitation of it. But no, you did. There it is. Inside, that there there are battle droids and super battle droids everywhere, and they're being melted down. Basically, just there's just claws that are just grabbed. You know, they're on claws and they're just being dropped, or they're just parts on a conveyor belt being you know slowly dumped into a big uh, you know melting pot. If you're having trouble visualizing it, this is where you would kill a Terminator. Yes, yeah, that's true. It's very, it had that kind of that vibe. It's what it's the first thing I thought of when I saw the inside. I was like, this is where I would kill T1000. This mm. is 100 percent where I would plan my final face-off with T1000. So they enter the facility. Echo, Tech, and Hunter go get the droid, and Wrecker uh, goes up to be lookout, and Omega. Uh, stays put to monitor the operation. Now, there is something that you noticed about, like, Hunter does not seem to like heights, which is very much B.A. Baracus from the A-Team. He So they do establish this on, on the Bad Batch episode on the rings, wings of the Caracas, where he's the where they have to walk across, like, the tightrope, and he's the one that's scared to look down. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, I have to say, you know, the, the A-Team movie wasn't great, but they addressed Just stop there. <laughs> they addressed why they addressed why he doesn't like heights because you would think somebody who's on a special forces team who's had airborne training, ranger training, and probably air assault training, 
repelling out of helicopters, jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. You know, like, why does this person, you know, is scared of heights? Oh, it was because they just all of a sudden, like, some, there's like a scene where just something really screwy happens and he gets just, like, freaked and scared. Go see the A-Team. It's great. Anyways, moving on. So, um, <clears throat> so the Bad Batch stun the workers and find that there's one tactical droid in the facility marked for destruction. Now, looking through her quad knots, Omega sees the droid and the droid head. Now, this is automatically, I just I just had a thought. The only time that we ever see a uh, one of these uh, tactical droids is we only have the head. Is um, because Ahsoka would give it to, you know, the, the crew of the Ghost to help, you know, find Captain Rex. So, I was yeah, thinking that's like... A, that's, that's a good callback that it's established previously in a few episodes that the head is the meaningful part. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, is this going to be like the head? Does this tie in to everything? everything? So, you know, I had that in the back of my mind for pretty much the entire episode. So as, as she's looking at them, someone dressed as a worker grabs the droid head and runs off. Omega moves to intercept, and she ends up pulling her bow on another employee, helping the one that stole the droid. At this point... We know that the girls that stealing the droid head are Rafa and Trace Martez from the Ahsoka walkabout plot in Clone Wars, which I was actually pleasantly surprised to see them. I didn't really care for that, you know, that arc in the Clone Wars episode. It was nice to see them, you know, doing something else because they were just kind of, it was kind of cringy for that whole plot sequence. So I think we haven't talked about the Clone Wars final season on the show, but you and I have talked a lot about it personally. Um, I know that I like that arc much more than you did. Um, originally, that arc, when it was written, it was supposed to be, instead of the sisters, it was supposed to be a boy that was going to be a love interest for Ahsoka. They decided to abandon that altogether and give them like this anti-Jedi backstory. And so my quote from today was, Trace talking to Ahsoka in the episode Jedi or not, you're a friend of mine. I consider you a friend. I mean, overall, I, li- I liked it because it was good um, seeing like what Ahsoka's doing and and seeing you know like like how real people in the real world, you know, the real world kind of being the the under not underworld as in um, crime, but just there's a complete underworld of like. Um, on Coruscant, you know, people who don't live on the surface, you know, how do re- how do regular people live, and how how do the regular people see things? I've said it before that I would watch a TV show where a, I would watch a cartoon about a garbage man on Coruscant. That arc showed you how people live on Coruscant and how they make choices, like to run drugs for a cartel to make money, to make ends meet so they can survive. It's not about them being villains or heroes. It's about them making choices, hard choices, to get up, a leg up in life, right? And that's why I like that arc. Oh, It's complicated, and it's messy, and Ahsoka has to play in the mud a little bit, and she ends up deceiving them and then rescuing them and then rescuing each other. It's a very great character arc for the sisters and for Ahsoka. Also shows how quickly you know like like uh, us as the viewers you know we see you know the Jedi and everything so we know like oh the Jedi are these big they're important people they do good in the in the galaxy the, the regular people they think the Jedi are the cause of the problem 
they don't really know everything that's going on. You know, just like in our world today, not everyone knows what's going on. So they just, you know, hear one thing and then it's just like, okay, that's that's what's happening. Yeah, and these, these sisters represent legitimate collateral damage from a Jedi operation gone bad where a ship crashed into their house and killed their parents, right? But I'll just, since we should get back to the plot soon, I'll just say that when I saw Rafa, I was very happy. I, because I really like the idea that these are just more Clone Wars episodes, mm-hmm. like a really long arc, and I was like, yes, please pull in as many Clone Wars characters as you can. Rafa and Tracer late additions to Clone Wars, but yes, let's keep it going. Oh yeah, definitely. And this was a wildly Clone Wars episode, not to give too much away, but mm-hmm. this thing just turns into a straight up Clone Wars episode yeah. in a few minutes. Yeah. So the the first girl with the the droid head, she runs into Hunter, Echo, and Tech. Back with Omega, Rafa grabs the bow, and it goes off, punching a hole in the wall of the facility. This causes some damage, but more importantly, it alerts the workers and the police droids that the facility is under attack. And Omega drops her bow. Not on purpose, she just loses it, but somehow she gets it back because we know she has it. Later. The employees of the plant lock down the facility, and the police droids show up, and a firefight ensues. Wrecker and the team start fighting back while Echo tries to unlock the facility so they can leave. And now I will hand it over to you. So the Martez sisters have the head at this point, and they're trying to escape. The facility is locked down, and it's filling up with security. Rafa drops the droid head, and it sort of bounces down a couple levels and ends up back on the droid conveyor belt where they first found it. And Omega and Trace both run after the head. They both yell, I got it. They run after the head. At this point, the facility is just filling up with droids. There's an absurd number of these police droids. And they're the Bad Batch and the Martez sisters, specifically Rafa, are getting pinned down, and they just start shooting everything. And they're sort of inadvertently helping each other at this point, the Bad Batch and the Martez sisters. They have a very similar goal, which is to get the hell out of there alive. And there's so much fire happening. There's so many blaster bolts going around that there's no chance that they can really navigate it. In order to override the lockdown the facility is under, Echo shorts out the whole building. And they have to sort of reboot it. So they tell Wrecker to get to the main control panel to reset the system. Unfortunately, from where Wrecker is, this means he has to sort of swing across a large gap on a chain. Um, He doesn't want to do it because, as Jamie said earlier, they sort of allude that he's a scared of heights and we know this from other episodes that he's sort of squeamish around heights he does do it but he hits his head doing it so on the traumatic brain injury count for wrecker we're at least at three mm-hmm. on on screen blows to his head he flips the reset reset switch but the police droids are on him they shoot him in the shoulder he's grabbing his head and he sort of falls down and passes out and as he passes out, he mutters, good soldiers. Yeah, this is this is bad news. So here's my five-year-old's commentary on the episode. He said a bunch of things, but this is the thing that I, I want to report. When Wrecker grabs his head and falls over and says, bad, or, good soldiers, the littlest man, which is what I call the five-year-old, says, that's the first two sentences of the thing. <laughs> the first two words of the thing. Even the five-year-old gets it. Yeah. <laughs> this is bad. Like, this is what we've been talking about for a few episodes. They're obviously pushing him in this direction. Mm-hmm. So Omega and Trace 
are still running toward the droid head and they fall onto the conveyor. Trace grabs the droid head, but Omega's leg is caught under some droid debris. And the conveyor starts moving again um, with Omega pinned under the droid parts. And, every, and this is the conveyor that feeds the parts into the molten pit. A seemingly infinite amount of droids are pouring into the facility now, and nobody can really move. Trace sees that Omega is stuck and about to be dumped into the pit. Omega calls Hunter on her comm for help. Then Hunter does this maneuver where he pulls down a catwalk and crushes a bunch of droids in the, in the act. He warns Rafa that he's doing it, but he doesn't really explain what he's doing, and Rafa is almost killed in this moment. That sort of pisses her off. Um, so now Hunter is running down the conveyor belt to get Omega, but he doesn't make it in time. And Omega falls into the pit, but the doors, there's a door covering the molten metal part, and it's closed. Yeah, that may- I didn't quite get it. It's um, it closes for a story, you know. Yeah. It, it- so basically, Omega's on a pile of droid parts on top of a door over a pit of molten lava. Now, Trace runs over and grabs Omega because she can't scale the wall herself. And she actually grabs like a droid leg and is fishing her out. Um, Hunter runs up at the very last second and helps pull Omega the last couple inches out of the hole and thanks Trace who has the droid head. So Trace and Rafa claim that since they are currently in possession of the tactical droid, it's their property and Hunter tables the discussion and says we just need to get out of here. We need to work together to escape. Tech starts to call Wrecker, check in with him who's still unconscious but he's slowly stirring awake. Everybody is still pinned down, nowhere to go and they decide to create a distraction by activating the tactical droid head to reprogram all of the other decommissioned droids in the facility to attack the security forces, the police droids and other security forces. Um, I really like this tactic. I, I was very excited when I realized what they were going to do. Yeah, yeah. the only thing that surprised me was that you know, the super battle droids have blasters in their arms, but the all the B1s that were uh, there, they somehow had blasters as well. I thought that you know they would have taken the blasters away from them. You know, that's a good point. You know, blasters a blaster. You could probably get a few bucks. You know, for that. That's a good point. We're not quite there, but um, yeah. Tech is hacking. Tech and Trace are hacking the head, and they're using a data spike to communicate with the droids. Record Wrecker wakes up. He's back to his old self, and he jumps down from wherever he was, and he starts destroying droids to buy the team time to finish the hack. Um, they are finished the hack. They activate all the droids. They give them the order to attack the police droids. Then we end up in a Clone War-style battle with back-talking Roger Roger droids with some very funny lines. Um, so all of these droids reanimate, and one of them says, like, what's going on? Did we win? <laughs> which the kids found hilarious and I thought was really perfect. And then there's a great droid-on-droid battle. Really great. So the Bad Batch and the Martez sisters escape under the cover of the droids. And during the escape, the tactical droid head is destroyed by the police droids. Um, Omega gets some good shots in with her bow, which she picks back up as they're leaving. Yeah, and... It's, It's not a big moment. It's just a very subtle thing. She sees her bow and she grabs it. 
you know, she's able to hit now because she says that she's able to focus out the distractions. Yeah, so it's a good callback to the beginning of the show. R7, which is the Martez's droid. We've never met him before, but they have a droid now. Um, flies their ship, which is the Silver Angel. I looked it up from the previous episode. Near the facility, Bad Batch and the Martez sister pile on the ship empty-handed because the, the head is destroyed and they fly away. They all sort of talk, and Raff learns that the Bad Batch were acting as mercenaries, and she really high-roads them about not knowing who wanted the tactical information in the droid, and Hunter basically takes the position that he doesn't care, he's getting paid, and this is a means to an end for him. Mm-hmm. The Martez sisters say they were trying to help make things better, and the person that wanted the tactical information was someone who wanted to help fight the Empire. And so Hunter sort of has a crisis of faith here. Or like a crisis of identity. Yeah, it's, it's it's not great when somebody high roads you on on something. You're just like, oh yeah, shit. I mean, they, these guys see themselves as the good guys, right? And mm-hmm. in this in this case, they have no idea if they're the good guys, and it's a big reality check for them. The Martez sisters drop off the Bad Batch at their ship, the Havoc Marauder. And Omega says to the Martez sisters that they should come visit them on Ord Mantell. Hunter gives the sisters the data rod that Tech used to download the data from the droid during the hack. And Raf thinks Hunter might be on the right side after all. Everybody flies off in their own ships. This would have been a perfectly fine moment to end the show, but we get a little coda here. We're on the Martez ship. They contact someone via hologram to tell them that the mission was successful and that there's a squad of rogue clones out there. And they know where they are. The end. I thought this was a great episode. This That last one, though, I don't know what to think. I'm really hoping it's not Ahsoka, because that would really fuck up canon. The hologram is not very much information, not very detailed. Um, it's basically someone's shoulder. Um, we don't get to see very much. I wanted to know who your top choices and who your bottom choice is it sounds like you don't want ahsoka to be there no because it will screw up the canon because she's she's off kind of like hiding um you know just pretending to be uh ashla you know as a mechanic for the awfully named farties farties yeah (laughs) she's at least you know a year or so before she becomes uh, fulcrum that maybe it might be a, a jedi and this will coincide with wrecker being like you know, Order 66, try, you know, starting to take hold. You know, because he's gotten whacked too many heads, too many times in the head with a frying pan. That's how shit works uh, in uh, cartoons and sitcoms. You know, so they just need to whack him in the frying in the head with the frying pan again, and then he'll be fine. I'm thinking it's a Jedi. Well, let's do it. Like, who who do you think it is? Like, who who do you legitimately think it is? You think it's a Jedi who's still alive? Who's still alive at this point? Because let's see, Vader is. Depending, depending upon, like, time, because, like, the Darth, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith comics, um, he probably would have already gotten his, his lightsaber by now. He's probably training Inquisitors by now. I've seen the list. I'm going to say it's, um, um, oh, shit, I can't think of his name. Quinlan? Quinlan, it's, it's Quinlan Voss. Um, I would love that. I think Quinlan Voss is one of my favorite Jedis, um, especially after the, the book. Um, yeah, Dark with, Disciple. With Ventress, Dark Disciple, yeah. I think 
that sealed him as basically one of my favorite Jedi. His story is fascinating. Um, can I tell you who I think it is? Uh, Jocasta New? No, I don't think it's a Jedi. I don't think I don't think the guy I don't think the person in the hologram is a Jedi. They refer to him as he, or they say contact him, and so they're using a male pronoun. Bail or I think it's yeah. I think it's Bail. I think it's Space Jimmy Smiths, and yeah. I think I think he is probably willing. This is the very very beginning of the rebellion of his resistance cell, and this eventually leads back to Ahsoka in the Ahsoka novel. So I would, I agree that she's off being pretending to be a mechanic with the Farties and she has to face an inquisitor eventually in that book. But he, he's the right person to sort of pull these stories together. Yeah. I, I'm just, uh, I don't know how they would have gotten in contact with him. Cause I, the reason I think it's a Jedi is because, well, the wrecker thing because he's not going to turn on them, but he's, you know, the second he sees a, a Jedi, he's going to be like, you're dead. Um, so, I mean, he, Wrecker, so Wrecker will turn on them because their orders are to kill the Jedis and to kill anyone that gets in their way. And so Crosshair is, his ship is telling him to kill his comrades. He just doesn't go full crazy until he's complete. You know, they modify his chip. He's 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 but more of Hunter's just like modifying his chip by getting hit in the head with a frying pan. I don't know. Like we don't know what's going to happen. I think I would believe it if if he thinks that they've betrayed the Empire. If if his chip gets activated and he thinks the Bad Batch has betrayed the Empire, I believe the Wrecker can turn on his own men. Okay. That. All right. Um, but also, I'm thinking that you know because the. The the Martez sisters, you know, they didn't trust the Jedi before, but now they, now they do, and so they, you know, they found a Jedi or Jedi found them because they've got a much different opinion out of the Jedi now. So they could very well be working with a, a Jedi, to help. I'd be happy either way. Yeah, me too. If if the choices choices between Quinlan Vos and Bail Organa. I would be happy no matter which way they took this plot, but it could be something even crazier. I'm not a writer on this show. I'd take anything. Yeah. But it's obviously a, it's some it's something that they're teasing, and I and they'll give us resolution quick because this is a show for kids. Yeah. My or, kids had no idea who it was going to be. Yeah, or you know, it could be somebody from the underworld too. So I don't think so. After they kind of like high roaded Hunter on the you know reasoning for having it, but they've been known to. Uh, or at least one of them has been known to pull shit. It could very well just be, you know, a con, and it could be for, you know, like somebody in the underworld. But I don't, I don't think so. I think that plot's probably too complicated for the show. But I'm, I'm willing to believe that that they're working with Resistance or Jedi. Um, at this point. Yeah, just the very, you know, beginning of what will become the Rebel Alliance. I don't have a whole lot of trivia about this show. Were you done talking about the hologram? Yeah, I was just trying to think, because it was kind of like a yellowish, and it did seem like they were wearing a cape, so that kind of points towards the Bail Organa, Organa idea. We'll find out soon enough. And um, you'll have to buy me a Coke when I'm right. It was actually a good way to end it, because it's, you know, I was looking forward to, like, other ones, you know, that, you know, every Friday I look forward to it, but now I'm, like, really looking forward to it. Which means that the next episode will have nothing to do with the person um, that they were talking to. And like the Mandalorian, and like pretty much like every other show 
you can tell kind of like what's going to happen in the show by watching the the recap like previously on blah 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 you know you know and there's when there's so much stuff going on and they only focus on these things like oh you know these characters are coming back or these they're going to resolve or continuing on this story arc they're not doing that in the bad batch they're just throwing you directly into the show so there's they're assuming that you've already watched it so there's no like nothing that gives it away you just watch it and you get what you get yeah we got that tiny tiny little musical cue with the drums and then you're in the action i love it yeah yeah like there's not, even, there's not even a skip intro button on the show yeah i've i've taught my kids just to skip intro if they don't want like if they don't want an episode of something spoiled um so i have very little trivia about this show um i sort of ran out of time and i was frantically doing research before we were going to start but there is one cool thing i wanted to point out um the city in corellia they go to mm-hmm. is coronet city oh yeah Yep, and so this is the city where um, the beginning of Solo starts and the Solo book Most Wanted takes place in. And it made me think that are the droids being melted down to build Star Destroyers? Yeah, or, you know, or YT-1300s. There it is. (laughs) Yeah, so they're being melted down to build Millennium Falcons out of old old battle droids. In in one of the... Star Wars comics, I won't say which one, there is a uh, shipyard, and there's just tons of basically Millennium Falcons just sitting there, you know, like, kind of like a dealership. They're, um, you know, the that's people, awesome. people take them to get, uh, you know, get fixed up, and I just thought that's just really cool. But yeah, they could, Corelli is known for its shipyard, so they could definitely be, you know, turning them into Star Destroyers or whatever, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, they're, you know, dismantling, you know, everything from the Republic and the uh, Separatists and turning it into the Imperial War Machine. So it could be very well a possibility, you know, that the handles for the Millennium Falcon are actually, you know, used to be a part of a uh, battle droid or something. I just, I love the thought. I love that they put it in Coronet City, mm-hmm. something they they didn't have to do, but it makes sense, right? Um, other than that, I don't have any any other commentary on the episode do you have anything else, or should we move to ratings? Uh, we can move to ratings. So, at the end of every one of our episodes, we rate and ep- rate the episode we reviewed um, by picking a Star Wars character. If we liked the episode, we pick a character that was integral to to the overall plot of Star Wars, a character that we respect and enjoy, like a Han or Luke, Leia, Lando. And if we didn't like the episode, we pick some incidental background character that doesn't really move the plot along, that doesn't matter if they exist or not, um, or is a walking joke and something like a Seize Bagano, the death stick dealer from Attack of the Clones. This is our arbitrary system, and it doesn't make any sense, but we find it fun. Yes. Um, so, Jamie... Why don't you pick a character that typifies your feelings for this episode? I really enjoyed this episode. It wasn't. Um, it would. It's probably not in my top like Star Wars, you know, cartoon episodes. But it's definitely up there because it was. It was fun. It did what it needed to do, and it kind of helped move the story into the bigger. Well, it 
it felt like it moved the story into kind of like the bigger, you know, overall, you know, story of the kind of like the Skywalker saga. So for me, I'll go with Jesse because I just recently watched the the Siege of Mandalore, and Jesse's a good, you know, he's a good character throughout the series, and you know, at the end, it's kind of sad, and like, you know, he pretty much gets his gets his mind picked apart by my mall. It's not integral, but you know, definitely, you know, important things happened around him. I don't know. I love that. I love that pick. Jesse is a wonderful clone. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to go with Baze for this this episode. Baze, really? Chirrut's friend and comrade. He is important in the episode, but ultimately he's sort of there as support for the main story. He moves the characters through. I love I love his character and we have the Basin Chirrut book that we read with the kids. And I really, I think this episode is probably more important than we realize at this point. Yeah. It's, it's established that, that basically they are, that they're trapped with Sid, which this, they could do this forever as far as I'm concerned. And we didn't really talk about this, but they failed this mission. Oh yeah. They straight up, they're going to go back to Sid empty handed and she is blackmailing them. And so we'll have to figure out if that's resolved. And the cliffhanger, which I'm sure you're right, that we're not going to get resolution for this cliffhanger in the next next episode, but that cliffhanger has me champing at the bit for more. Because I want to see if it's Bale, I want to see if it's Quinlan, I want to see if it's someone else. I want to know how they're tying this into the bigger story. Because now, whoever they're reporting to we didn't talk about this either. They have terrible security because they let Omega tell these these sisters where they live. Uh, yeah, it's like um, like when Ezra tells that uh, that um, force sensitive uh, er, the, the force sensitive uh, baby in um, in Rebels, like you can come live with us in Garel, you know, and right. just <laughs> <laughs> like have some opsec guys. You're you're in hiding. Maybe you shouldn't tell these strange girls you just met, who were obviously a crew, doing a job for someone you have no idea who that person is. Maybe yeah. you shouldn't tell them you're hiding, right? Because the first thing they did was rat you out. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm picking Bays because yeah. I like the episode. I think it's way more important than we think. I think it's feeding. I think these plots are feeding into it, and it. I love that it tied it back to Clone Wars again. Man, Baze is such a good pick. I get, you know, every time they like, Chirrut dies and then he dies, I get a little, uh, I get a little, you know, it gets a little dusty in the room just because it's just, oh, for sure. You know, such an emotional, like him watching his friend die and then just, you know, him just looking at Chirrut one last time before he dies. It's just, ugh, pulls at the heartstrings. Yeah, it's getting dusty in here right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's probably probably a good place to stop. Thank you again for downloading. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on whatever your podcatcher is. Subscribe. And um, I think that's probably it. Yeah. We, yeah don't tell, big, we don't need the big outro, but go ahead. Yeah. I'll say, you know, tell a friend, you know. Um, about the show, if, you know, if we did a good job and if we didn't do a good job, tell somebody at work that you don't like about it and make them listen to it because <laughs> fuck them. Alright? Cool? So, 
until next time, this is Matt and Jamie saying some clever Star Wars quote. Here's the outro. Some clever, some clever Star Wars. <laughs> Let me start again. <laughs> Farty. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochvaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,